Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Fuji Love Podcast. This is the show all about the photographers who love the Fujifilm X series and GFX cameras, and it is brought to you by Fuji Love Magazine. So, if you want the latest and greatest in all the news, great articles, helpful tips, and amazing photos, head on over to fujilove.com. Subscribe today. My guest this week is Sarah Lando. You may know her from the very recent Fujifilm uh, keynote presentation where she was able to play with the GFX 50 Mark II and so much more. Sarah, good to have you on the show. How are you doing? Good to be here. I'm doing great. Thank you. Uh, You were a very... Striking presence on on the very uh, the the recent keynote. It was uh, your I think your artwork uh, was uh, such a such a bright presence. Uh, it, it was so interesting and, and and so different than than typical stuff that we see as far as like photography goes because it was more than just photography. Um, and you also had great insights into using various lenses and, and the cameras. Uh, how how was it preparing for that uh, keynote? Because you you looked like you had a really big project there that was uh, very involved. Well, first of all, thank you so much. I will send you money as uh, we agreed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it was like. Um, one thing that I really love about working with Fujifilm is that they give me such great creative freedom. So when basically they tell me there's this thing that we need to launch and you get to play with it. And I'm usually, um, ask if I can do whatever I want and they say yes. And then I come back a week later with a proposal and they're like, yeah, fine, go with it, have fun. (laughs) <laughs> which is not something clients do very often, to be, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> and my idea for this was that I wanted, I really wanted to do something that could incorporate detail, of course, because that's something that they went, they wanted to showcase for the camera and the lens. But I wanted to do that in a way that was true to my creative vision and to my personal history. And I, will, I wanted to do something outside because I was so fed up with being stuck inside for so much time during lockdown. Uh, and, and were, were you in yeah. the part of Italy that was really, really locked down? Uh, I, I know yeah. there's a different for a long time, we had to stay inside and we could go like 200 meters from the house. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was not nice. I, I got to play Animal Crossing for a long time. That's, but yeah, after a while. Thank God for Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But yeah, so, um, and I, I wanted to, I love um, contamination when it comes to art. Uh, so I knew I wanted to work with dancers and I knew I wanted to be like actually creating something with my hands. So I decided yes. to go with the mask route. Uh, and I collaborated with these two amazing dancers who made the masks come to life. Um, and so it was fun. Nice. And, and it was very beautiful. Uh, the, um, <clears throat> the images and the, the, the outfits were just, just amazing. And anybody who wants to check it out, all you need to do is go to the YouTube channel, uh, one of the various Fujifilm channels that has a presentation all about a mini documentary all about Sarah's work. Uh, so that's a great place to check it out if you're unfamiliar with uh, Sarah. And w- with that, uh, I just wanted to kind of touch on your use of the GFX, uh, the, the latest GFX 50 yeah. uh, Mark II um, or, or the GFX 52. Um, yep. <laughs> I, I'm not exactly <laughs> yeah. sure how to call it, but um yeah, the, the the how how was I know you you, you expressed expressed it in that it, it's it's a great uh, toned toned back version of the the one hundred yeah in that um 
And that sounds kind of odd. To, I to do say prefer that. to work with the 50. Like, here's the thing. Yeah. Um, I feel that as photographers, very often, we kind of assume that we always need like to have the most megapixels, like the yes. biggest images. And most of the time, the thing is, first of all, we don't need it. Second of all, that stuff is gonna like occupy so much space in your hard drives. And like the, the bigger images are slower when you're trying to work with them on a normal computer. And I don't want to be updating my computer like every 10 seconds. I don't yep. want to be buying a bazillion hard drives, especially if I don't need them. And I love like 50 megapixels is even more than I need. Uh, but I kind of liked about the 100, uh, the fact that they had like the image stabilization was better, the focus was faster. So that kind of stuff, I was like, yeah, I would like to have that. And they implemented all of that in the new 50. So I was like, yeah, that's nice. Thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that because when I heard the original keynote, it was, uh, I, I kind of just kind of shrugged that off. But when Fujifilm, uh, th so the month of October, I've been using the GFX 100S yeah. uh, as uh, just putting it through the paces. I, I took it to some weddings. I did some portrait work and amazing camera. It is. But I ran into that hurdle of the comp my my personal computers not being able to handle yeah. the files that came yeah. in. Yeah. And I'm sitting there waiting for Lightroom to to catch up and 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 I was only working with the JPEGs. I, yeah. I didn't even put it through the the raw raw pieces. And, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, yeah, if, you know, maybe maybe the 50 would have been the right choice. Hey, Sarah was right. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, there are situations where, or um, people who might actually need the kind of quality that the 100 gives. And I mean, Agreed. it's yeah. awesome to have that option. But in my case, for what I do, I really don't. Uh, so... It's like wanted to buy a Ferrari when you live in the mountains sometimes. Like it's good to show off, but then you get stuck in the mud. Um, so, yeah. Right. When all you need is the Land Rover. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I totally agree with you. And, and uh, that that is something that I'm going to want to play with at some point. Um, that, that, because that GFX 50 uh, looks looks amazing also the price is insane like if i think about how much a, a medium format camera would cost even just like five years ago the fact that you can get um a medium format camera and a good lens honestly like the kit lens is a solid lens it's very very small and i was uh, assuming that it would be like a cheap piece of plastic, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, the fact that it isn't, uh, it's I'm still processing that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and it's access. It honestly made medium format accessible for a lot of people. It wasn't before. Yes, and so I gotta ask you. You had the chance to to use it, but uh, do you currently own it? Is this part of your uh, what what is part of your? I will. Uh, I own the old one, like the the older sister, and it's still working amazingly fine. So uh, I'm still using that. Uh, I will probably update to the to the Mark II, uh, yep. just because for the focus. Uh, honestly, it was really nice to have a faster focus, uh, and you get used to those perks very. Um, very fast so when you go back to the old camera you're like oh yeah yeah i see the improvement uh but it honestly it's a perfectly good camera and for the studio work that i do um i don't feel like i have to update it um yeah. but i i feel that on location and especially like with moving subjects or stuff like that um i i think it's it's something that i i'm considering yeah and that makes sense um, because w when you're out and you're not in a controlled setting as much as you are uh, indoors than you are w w compared to outdoors. So yeah. that, that extra 
oomph would be very helpful. Um, art world fascinates me uh, in in that it's there, there's always that question in the back of my mind. Like, like for example, uh, I, I'm a wedding photographer. I right. do portrait photography for for my uh, career, and the 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 money connection makes a lot of sense. Oh, I get yeah. paid to do the work. Uh, it's it's very different with art. Um, how how did how did you get into involved in in succeeding uh, as an artist? I know that's a loaded question and very it's vague. It's not like I I understand exactly what you mean, and I'm first and foremost still a commercial photographer. Like I. I really do like to eat three times a day. It's something that I <laughs> really do enjoy. And but this is through your paper mustache company, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but at the same time, and I, uh, I think that the art market uh, is one thing and photography as an artistic research is not necessarily the same thing. Yes. And I, I pretty much... Not very sure that I do like the idea of the art market for many reasons. Like I do believe that photography uh, shouldn't be uh, limited the way that very often the art market requires you to do. Like I, to me, when you have a file, like running a limited edition is kind of bullshit uh, because it's not how files work. It's not right. how, like, the photography in its core, it's something that can be distributed widely and always with the same quality. So I have problems with a bunch of stuff that is around the art market. But at the same time, uh, I think of photography as a language. And with, with language, you can write the grocery shopping list. You can also write a poem. You can write an article. You can write a novel. It's always the same language, but you modulate it uh, depending on what you're trying to say and who you're talking to. Right? That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. That's, I like that analogy. Yeah. So I, I think that uh, when it comes to expressing myself through photography, uh, I like the possibility that um, some of my more like quote unquote artistic endeavor give me, and usually I like working through grants, uh, mm -hmm. which means that you have a project and you get money to develop that project uh, rather than you like make prints and then you have collectors and galleries like that stuff it's not something that i vibe with i don't like it uh, yep. it doesn't work for me like it's i i understand like i nfts i i have very strong opinions about why i don't like them and i'm not interested in them uh first of all the ethical part second of all like the environmental impact that they have uh, and most of all, it's, like, it's basically, in, it's not even attached in the NFT. Like you get the blockchain and if those servers tomorrow morning blow up, you basically get nothing. So to me, it's like basically made up money that is very useful for people who want to make money, but it's got nothing to do with the art. Yeah. It's, it's, but yeah, I'm, I mean, yeah, just not my thing. Uh, and I, so I'm, I try to be very aware of what works for me and what doesn't. Uh, this does not mean that I think that, for example, uh, selling prints is something that people should not do. It's just something that doesn't sit well with how I live photography. So, um, and I think that people should be aware of what their compass is, because even with commercial photography, not everybody is your client. And being very aware of who your client is, is going to make you a better commercial photographer. Because you're yep. not going to waste time uh, following the wrong people and trying to please people who are not your clients, right? Right. 
it's basically the same for me when it comes to other kinds of photography, be it um, more like um, artistic photography or like even... Um, I I do a lot of free work. Uh, I, I do, like in my free time, I still do photography, which is, I, I don't have friends, Mark. That's the problem. Oh, I don't believe that <laughs> yeah. at all. You are... Yeah. You were charming on stage. You were charming, uh, well, the, the proverbial stage, yeah. the virtual stage. Um, you, you seem like a, a, a ton of fun to, to hang out with. So. Yeah, but I, I, I like people <laughs> from afar. Like, I, it's not, I'm not the kind of person who spends a lot of time, like, with other people. Like, I, I really do like photography. It's like something that... I'm kind of obsessed with. So when I have time, I take pictures. And when I, for work, I take pictures. And that's basically all of my life. (laughs) But I I see what you mean. Because, like, like, I'm I'm very shy when it comes to meeting people uh, in in person. Uh, I don't have that kind of setback uh, online, which is why podcasting and yeah. YouTube have been very great for, for, for me. Don't you feel uh, like that when you have a camera in your hand, you kind of have a purpose to talk to people? It's like one of those things when you're using photography as a, a crutch to... <laughs> like, it is. Yeah. And it is, it is also a way to become invisible. Yeah. I feel like one when I'm holding the camera in my hand, I can it's a mental switch that I can then just, just disappear from everybody's point of view. I completely Um, relate to that. Also, uh, it's a great way out of any situation because you can just pretend that something over there is beautiful and you're just like, Oh my God. And you just go take photos and you, you don't even have to interrupt the conversation. You just go and people are like, yeah, photos. I get it. Yep. Yep. So. And and again, that's probably the the biggest appeal for the Fuji system is that it allows me to blend in really, really well. Yeah. <laughs> well, not just that. I feel that the for me, for I'm uh, I'm I have small hands and I also have arthritis. So having like a smaller camera that is not heavy is like such a relief because at the end of the day, it means that I can work for more hours. Uh, mm-hmm. Without like physical pain, yes, and especially uh, on an eight-hour gig, uh, it's yeah. That, for me personally, yeah, it's it's, it's great not having to have big DSLR in front of me. Um, so let's turn back the clock a little bit and, and kind of start from. Uh, there's just so much to unpack because you have such a, a, a wide variety of talent. Uh, when I'm when I look through your work, uh, I see like such a, a amazing uh, set of like it, it's a lot of your work is abstract. Um, I would right. in my eyes. Yeah, yeah um, I can see what you mean. Yeah, so it's not just photography. There, there is such a range of uh, styles and, and a lot of emotion uh, involved. Uh, I, I look through some of your works that you're displaying, like your your Ship of Theseus project, right? Uh, magpies, layers. They they are amazing works, and they are just like like layers itself looks like just this amazing collage of photography and, and magazine clippings and, and so much more, and then more photography on top yeah. of that. So it's actually, <laughs> I, I question a lot, like the identity of photography itself. Like I like yes. to question the medium because it's a conversation that every once in a while, it always comes out. Like what is photography? Is this a real photo? And I started out as a retoucher. And very often, what you see in magazines, it's not a real photo. It's like 20 hours of post-production on someone's face to make it look like it's a normal face. But 
Now, was this back in the film days, or, or are we talking like digital? Oh, no, digital. Yes, it was already digital. So um, I started working like in the early 2000s. So it was uh, already, I, I've been using Photoshop since before it had layers. So yeah, yeah. it's a <laughs> while back. Days. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I remember those days. <laughs> I'm so happy those days are gone. Uh, <laughs> and um, while all the photos that you see, for example, in layers, those are actually straight photos out of camera. So that's a photo without post-production. There's nothing there that is not made photographically, that is not made with a camera. And that to me is interesting because very often people will see something like that and in their head, that's an illustration more than a photo, but they will not question a photo of someone's face without realizing that what they're looking at is an actual illustration. Yeah. So that conversation about what is real is getting more and more interesting. Like if you go and watch at at some of those like computer generated images of someone's face, like people who are not even people who do not exist, they they're believable right now. It is. I can't remember the the website offhand, but like if you keep refreshing, it's yeah. That's that's what I'm referring to. I was trying not to uh, not to say the website name because I don't remember it. (laughs) That's the one. The Google search will you anybody will be able to find it. But yes, I think it's something like these people do not exist or something like that. Yeah, that that sounds about right. Um, And it's uncanny how how real they they can make it yeah and it's something like to me um the concept of what is real when it comes to photography is pretty interesting because we kind of assume that something is real because we see a photo of it like this whole thing about picture or it didn't happen is something that is very ingrained in our brains um because Photography has a relationship with reality that other uh, art forms don't have. Like if I draw you a picture of me being mugged, you're like, yeah, maybe it happened. But if I show you a photograph of that, you're like, okay, this is proof that it happened. But actually, even legally, photography is not considered a proof. It's a witness because witness can lie. Photography kind of always lie uh, for, and even if you don't bring Photoshop into the mix, um, the kind of lens you use is going to change and affect how reality is perceived. For example, if you think about a telephoto and how it compresses the planes and makes the background looks so much closer. Um, and that's one of the reasons why in photojournalism, you use a specific set of uh, focal lens rather than everything anything goes or that is a very recent phenomenon too like yeah. a, a re- recent event where um during the pandemic uh, yeah exactly we're using the telephotos to show oh look how proud of this beach is when in fact it wasn't yeah but even like you know everyday um experiences for example you go to like a hotel website and you look at the the rooms and everything seems so spacious and it's just a freaking wide angle Uh, (laughs) as photographers we see that but most people don't um but they still assume it's real because it's a photo so i think that it's a good thing that people are starting to realize that a photo very often is a well-crafted lie and it's not just because of filters, not just because of Photoshop um, or like deep fakes, but even like a quote-unquote normal photo um, is an interpretation, is a story. Again, I think if you really do consider photography as a language, it makes sense because you can lie with language. Yeah, it's... I, yeah, uh, I, I, I get that. And for the most part, you you are absolutely correct. Uh, I, I wish people were still a little bit more um, knowledgeable with photography because 
I, I, it, it, at least in my neck of the woods, I see too many people falling for, uh, falling for just the, the, the oldest tricks in the book. But to that point, like there's also they video. They do fall that, with words as well. I mean, the, that's yeah. the thing, like people who would believe anything, they don't need a photo to believe it. Exactly. Uh, a person's mind, once it's convinced, yeah. uh, there's really no changing. And it. if you show them a photo that proved that they're wrong, they will say it's doctored. Like, yep. so, yeah. The video is doctored. The photo yeah. is doctored. The witnesses aren't real. It's, yeah, it's, oh yeah. <laughs> what a world we live in. <laughs> but I think that uh, on some level, I'm I'm fine with that in the sense that uh, we kind of us used to assume that we could have like an objective truth, and very often that only meant that a smaller number of people could manipulate reality and make it look as if it was true. Because if you think about it, like what we read in history books is very often uh, one part. Yes. Uh, that, you know, how they say that history is about who's left, not who's right. Um, Written by the winners, yeah. that sort of thing. And yeah. I think that the idea that we had, that if it's in a book, it's true, it's without questioning what kind of information we are consuming is, is something that is kind of crumbling. And of course, it doesn't mean that anything goes and that there isn't uh, a truth or that there isn't a reality. But at the same time, I think that um, it's a good thing that we are starting to develop an idea that what we see can be questioned and that we have a responsibility to understand reality and responsibility when we communicate something because uh, we are producing um things that are going to be consumed by others and yeah. uh, even like I started doing commercial photography because I thought that I could kind of avoid that kind of responsibility and then you see uh, what happens with very young kids that they start uh, like I had a class with um, how don't know I think it's like third graders in the US that would be uh, and they would show me photo and talk about the fact that they wanted to ask for Christmas for anti-wrinkle cream because they had wrinkles. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? Like you're, you're a kid. What do you mean you have wrinkles? And they would show me photos in magazine and say, see, when I smile, I have lines and the model doesn't. And then it hit me that the way we Photoshop people, like normal like lines out of people's faces is read by very young kids as those lines do not exist. And so like I ended up doing like a very advanced Photoshop class to third graders uh, and they became very good at spotting where photography was Photoshopped. And but, now they work for me. <laughs> yeah, but it's, They're my protection. Like, like, I realize the responsibility that we have, even as commercial photographers, every time we make those choices, we have an impact. I would say this has always been the case. Uh, not not to uh, yeah. excuse it in any way, but I do remember prior to Photoshop, uh, just uh, the the issues at hand, like the way photos were retouched. Um, oh yeah. Um, I don't know. And even I, I think we've made... if you think What's about that? it, even without retouching, um, when you choose, when you're casting the model, are you, and you're choosing um, a 16 year old, super thin, super white model, because it's going to be easier and cheaper because the makeup artist doesn't know how to make up darker skin or because the sample size are like a size zero, like those choices have an impact. And yes. as photographers, we are, we, are, uh, we are very quick to kind of say that, okay, it's the client's choice, but we do have a saying. Uh, 
And I think that when it comes to taking responsibility and deciding what kind of images we put out in the world, we need to start questioning ourselves sometimes. I would say that, you know, this has always been something that has been attempted in the past, but I think now it has become, it's it's now starting to get traction. I, 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 I tend to see more, to, to lack a better word, uh, real people in yeah. different uh, ads and, and, and thank God, now, you know, there's more diversity happening in, in, in advertising. And I think uh, it's because photography has become more accessible. Like it's something that photographers used to like uh, really complain about the fact that everybody is a photographer now and social media and la la la. But this means that a lot of people are able like with cell phones, with cheap cameras, they are able to photograph what they look like and what they love and put it out there. So before there was like a small number of people who could gatekeep that kind of imagery, but now it's out there. And I think it's a very good thing. Um, yeah. So they're it's able like, to distribute it easier. Yeah, they're able exactly. to photograph easier. And, I mean, you got a whole production crew on, on your smartphone. So I, I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. And I, and I don't think that, is a problem for photographers the same way that the fact that a lot of people learned how to read and write didn't actually put writers out of work. It put out of work those people who could only like write letters for people who could not read and write. That job doesn't exist anymore. That kind of photographer where the only advantage you have over others is that you own a camera and you know how to operate that, that work doesn't exist anymore. Thanks, yeah. God. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But people who have like a vision and who are like actually good writer, actually they have more work now because more people know how to read and recognize good photography and are willing to hire someone to get that. Yeah. And so let's tie this whole, this was a lot of, a lot to think about. Um, <laughs> you said jumping from one thing to another. I do jump. <laughs> we, I, I am, I, I got my running shoes. I got my jumping shoes. I, I am all, all for this. This is, this is a lot of fun because now we can tie this all back into your work uh, with, with all this, uh, this heaviness and, and, and this, uh, discussion about what what is real, what is fake. How does that tie into your your artwork? Uh, is, is that what you try to uh, to bring people awareness of that, that there are things that are fake, things that are real? It is a great question, actually. I um, so my what obsesses me, uh, and I think that. Uh, obsessions are a good thing to follow when it comes to photography because usually they bring you to the interesting places. Uh, my uh, lifelong obsessions are either like identity and memory and the what happens when they start to crumble, probably because I come from like both of my grandmothers had Alzheimer. Uh, photography for me has always been a way to record memories and make sure that I record I remember them correctly, kind of. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of my personal work uh, is around uh, this kind of exploration, like understanding identity and understanding myself better and trying to, uh, trying to understand what I can keep and what I can let go. Uh, and I don't have answers. Like, it's mostly about trying to define the questions better, I think. Um, and I, I do Isn't it ironic that um, just a moment ago we were speaking about uh, things that are the, the potentiality of uh, photography being fake, but you're still using it to, to hold on to things that are what you view as real? Yeah, but it's the same, like when you're reading a book and it's a novel, you know that mm -hmm. the story you're reading 
did not happen, but it doesn't mean that it cannot teach you something about your own life. Right. 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 And I'm I'm just fascinated by the the the. On the one hand, it's it's like a double edged sword. On the one it hand, is. it feels contradictory, but. That it it is it is true. We can make it as real as we want, as uh, uh, or, or as fiction as we want. Like your analogy of fiction versus nonfiction in yeah. uh, in books. And also, if you think about it, when it comes to memory, like there are things you remember, and maybe like your siblings or your friends, they remember them differently as if something completely different happened in the same situation. And you might base like important decision of a recollection of something that is not even true. Yep. But it doesn't mean that isn't important. So, right. yeah. And I think that it's interesting to explore that space and try to understand it better. And I think this is why I, I love what Fujifilm has uh, in its place for like film simulations, because it does add that layer of, um, I don't want to say interestingness or, or something like that. Because yeah, but I get what you more mean. than that. Yeah. Like, yeah, like it's with- a vibe. Like it's a, it's a whole mood that you can change really easily. And also the thing is that, it allows you to just use the JPEG and don't even worry about the raw file. And I know that I'm probably like, I'm being an erratic right now because most people like are like, the row is the most important thing you will have in your life. You will not get that from me. I'm all, all about <laughs> the JPEGs. But honestly, I, I still do shoot in row and JPEG, but at the same time, I find myself more and more that I just use the JPEG, especially in medium format. I, Yeah. I fell in love with the nostalgic negative. Right. I am a classic Chrome girl, but yeah, I, I see, I can see why. Well, for, for around here, um, we're in the middle of our fall season Yeah, and, and the colors and the trees and, and the warm tones that, that it's giving off the nostalgic negative oh, just yeah. felt it's so really beautiful. And like so the, the wedding photos that I, uh, took just felt like it was, it, it just went hand in hand and, and uh, it, it really felt like uh, great film photography. And, and when I printed it out on the Instax, um, it just, it just melted yeah. me. I, I and I also it. love that communication that you can have between like the Instax and the, the actual, the, quote unquote, real cameras, Uh, the fact that you can give something physical to a person like right after you shot the photo is something that really creates a connection with people. Absolutely. It is the bread and butter of my uh, wedding photography business. And I just recently uh, purchased the the new wide printer that they released. Uh, I'm waiting for that. Hopefully I'll get it by the end of the week. But uh, I've been using the square format. Uh, yeah, it's for, gorgeous. For, oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And uh, I can't wait for the the, the new one to come. <laughs> <laughs> I can see why. Um, but yeah, it's... it's So, wow. The, the, I, I just... I just there's just so much to unpack again, so much to unpack with your work. How, how did it all begin? How, how did, where did your love of the arts, love of photography start? I actually started taking pictures very late. Like I started taking pictures in university. That'll save us a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not one of those people who like was born with a camera in their hands or something. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I, I was studying industrial design um, university and I needed, like, I really sucked at taking photos with a film camera and it was costing me so much money uh, because I would have to take photos. They were all wrong. I would have to retake them. I would have to, like, wait a lot of time for them to be developed. And they were, yeah, yeah you know. And so I spent money to get like my very first camera that was like a Sony Mavica FD88, the one with the floppy disks. 
I remember uh, those. Yeah. Yeah. There was 1.3 megapixels of awesomeness. And, yeah, <laughs> and, Nothing will ever be better than this. <laughs> yeah. And um, I started using that as a way to cope with anxiety attacks, actually, because for some reason, trying to figure out manual exposure and me focusing on that seemed to work to um, avoid anxiety attacks. And that's awesome. It's yeah. And so I started using that as like self therapy and I was kind of ashamed of the fact that I was taking photos and I wouldn't show them to anyone. And then I started like a live journal, uh, putting photos there, assuming that no one would ever see them because that's how the internet works. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not that bright. Uh, and None of us were <laughs> when it started. But those times were actually interesting because it was before social media. And the kind of people who were on the internet uh, around that time had this mentality of like putting their knowledge uh, at the service of other people who were just starting out. So I had amazing people teaching me how to improve in my photography. And I started to really, really love it to the point where in the last year of university, I decided to go to Rhode Island School of Design in Providence, to RISD. Oh, Um, right on. Yeah. And by basically lying and imploring, I got to be in the photography department instead of the industrial design department. Um, And that was it. When I came back, I was like, I don't care about industrial design at all. I want to be a photographer. And so I did. <laughs> oh, colleges! It's yeah. so easy to manipulate. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's the thing. Like I had uh, amazing people around me creating twenty four seven, and I don't think we put enough. Um, we don't talk enough about how important it is to have a community around you of creative people that you can just talk with about projects you have or what you see that is interesting or like having like a second opinion of the work you're doing and that really can make you grow as a photographer yes a nice live group I, I would yeah add. what i what i say what i usually say to people is that you kind of have to have eight names and those people need to be people who are rooting for you that are going to be honest with you, but at the same time that they really want you to succeed because sometimes it's really easy to get caught in like the snarkiness of photo clubs and internet forums and like complete strangers, just being cruel for the sake of it. Secretly competing with people. Yeah. 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 And I, I think kindness is really one of those undervalued things that are so important because it's vulnerable to show your work. And I mean, a, a good critique is important, but a good critique doesn't need to make you feel like you've been ripped apart. Yep. I I, I, I agree. And sometimes it's difficult to know one from the other. Yeah. Also, I think that most people give critiques like we, we they don't have the skill to critique other people's work. So what they do is they tell you how they would do that photo. But that's a completely different thing than helping someone achieve their goal with that photo. Yep. It's a lot of hearsay and hindsight being twenty twenty. It's, you know, I would have done yeah. it this. I would have that. You should have done this. Should have waited that extra 20 seconds for that bird to go from one place to another. Yeah, but also why? Like the, the main yeah. question when you're giving someone's a critique is like, what were you trying to do? Right. And a, a lot of times it just feels like the, the one who's doing the critiquing is uh, rather than building up, uh, like trying to make the person better at their craft, it's they're they're making themselves look yeah. better. Yes, exactly. And I used a lot of quotation marks around that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, I, I absolutely get what you mean, and I agree with that. <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, you once you got into photography, like how 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 did you go? Like, did you start off just commercially, no. or, or 
I, what I, I am one of those people who are very responsible and you should pay your bills first and then follow your dreams kind of person. Uh, so I was working in an advertising agency for a long time as a graphic designer and retoucher. And I yep. still kept doing like photography as a hobby on the side. And then I would photograph anyone and anything that people would allow me to photograph. And after a while, that become a possibility. Like I was realizing that I was kind of making more money with that than with my job. So I was like, okay, maybe I can switch. And uh, it took me a while and uh, I, I owe my career to David Hobby. Like, honestly, that guy completely made it possible for me uh, because I didn't have much money to start with. I don't come from a rich family. My dad is a, is an, a retired upholsterer. Um, but with like a couple of speed lights, I could actually create photos with a quality uh, that looked like it was shot professionally in a studio and everything was my studio. Yeah. Yeah. So That's that awesome. made it possible for me to uh, basically compete with bigger photographers and to have an actual career in commercial photography. Amazing. That, that is so, that, that is so cool. And how did you like, like, what did you use at the time? And then uh, I'm yeah. curious your, your, your jump to Fuji in, in a minute. That's yeah. That's also David hobby and Zach Arias. Uh, but so basically I was shooting at first, I think I started with, well, when I was starting to shoot professionally, I started off with Nikon and yeah. then uh, I jumped shit to Canon because at that point they weren't updating their cameras, Nikon wasn't updating their cameras and I needed like a um, full frame camera. And so mm -hmm. I switched to the 5D. Uh, and then I was in Dubai um, for GPP. And it was about the time where the first mirrorless were coming out from Fujifilm. And uh, when David and Zach put like an X to one in my hands and they were like, you should try this thing. And I was like, yeah, I don't <laughs> care. And then now oh, you should really try this thing. And then I bought one basically <laughs> right then and there. And, and then for the longest time, that was basically like my free time camera. And then I was still shooting professionally, like with a full frame. And then Fujifilm basically contacted me to, start working with them, uh, Fujifilm Italia. Yep. And after a while, they, I was basically working with them uh, without being an ex-photographer. And at some point they were like, okay, should we kind of formalize this um, affair we're having? Uh, and I was like, yeah, but I, uh, I need to like actually get some camera to work with. And they, basically put a medium format camera in my hands. Uh, and that changed completely the way I shoot, uh, honestly. It was like such a big jump for me, uh, the quality of images that I was getting um, for the kind of work that I do, the detail that I was having. Um, also, they honestly are amazing people to work with. Um, yes. Which is something that it's also important for me, like the fact that they do listen to feedback from photographers, they do take care uh, of their photographers is something that is really important for me. It has been just a tremendous bonus to, to uh, amazing camera gear yeah. um, that, that they listen to. It's what kept me, in the very beginning, and uh, listeners right now have heard me tell this story hundreds of times, so <laughs> I apologize. Um, but like in the very beginning, I, I had a trouble. I had trouble adjusting to the autofocus system. Yeah. Uh, but because Fujifilm was making strides in uh, making their cameras better, I felt that I could uh, just you know suck it up and yeah you know, try also, to 
the updates, like the, uh, the fact that they would yes. constantly improve their cameras and give you a software update that would give you basically a new camera. So the camera you bought is actually better after some time because it has the new software rather than just saying, okay, you will get this update if you buy another camera. Yep. So, yeah. Absolutely. I, I love that. And I've, I've enjoyed my X-T3s. For, for that reason, uh, even more so. Yeah, like, that's, that's my better, other better. camera. I just really wish they'd put in the film sims, just saying. Fuji. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but that with the 35 1.4, hmm, that's just perfection. Uh, so <laughs> it's funny. I wanted to circle back to that, the, back to the presentation, because... Uh, uh, you you had the chance to use the 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 new thirty three millimeter, right? No, uh, nope. I had uh, I only had the medium format camera with the thirty seven, which is the kit lens that they're putting on it. I might be remembering this wrong uh, because I I you were talking so fondly about the. Were you talking about the thirty five one four? Probably. I yeah. I, I haven't. <laughs> I I couldn't t- uh, test this yet, so I'm looking forward to it. Gotcha. Um, I, I, for some reason in my head, I, you, 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 you spoke just so warmly about that lens um, that even with the update that, you know, we, we, we still can't shake the magic of uh, the, the 35. No, it's just like, uh, and it's one of those lens that I wasn't planning on getting because I usually prefer a longer focal lens. Yep. Um, but when I, tested it one day uh by mistake basically (laughs) Uh, and i realized that it's just so perfect it's just like so light and the quality is so high so for the way that i work it's just a perfect little lens it it is it is the most like yeah it, it it's such a intangible magic to to the the quality that you 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 could talk about how well your photos come out and everything but there's there's just that something more that you can't quite put your finger on that that makes it even better yeah and, and also one one of the things that i uh think is important when you talk about focal focal length especially for portrait photographers it's not just about the quality of the image, which is, which of course, like, is super important, but it's also the distance that is allowed that um, it allows you to have with your subject. So I think that the thirty-five is kind of an intimate lens uh, that gives you a very great quality without having to distort the image too much, uh, mm-hmm. if, even if you get quite close. Um, and I like that kind of distance that you get when you're working with your subject, it creates like this kind of bubble for you and the other person. Yeah. Uh, and while still the, retaining some of the background, which is the other thing. It's not that, just that's where like, I was going to go, go with, uh, because the, you could still kind of get a, kind a of great bokeh blur and, and have have a great story where your, uh, your focus is on whatever your subject is, yeah. but um, you, you can draw that very nice separation, but still not too much. Yeah. It, it's like it's, the Goldilocks of, of lenses for me. Yeah. Very cinematic in that, yeah. in that respect. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, I, I, I will, I will never get rid of this lens again. I, I yeah. did at one point. I did sell it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then bought it back a couple of years later. Uh, I, no, I understand I that. Also, it's so light and small that you just like put it in your camera bag and it's just there in case you need it. Yep. It is on. It's usually on my uh, yeah. XC4. Uh, that, that's my uh, my spirit camera. And... That's another camera that I, I owned for a few, a little bit sold and then regretted it <laughs> at the breed <laughs> But that's my uh, everyday camera. It is um, the, the one that I use uh, for 
my 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 personal stuff uh yeah. like family photos and out and about um and uh yeah i i love it um but wow like again your your work is just just so brilliant and so so different um Thank you. What what are uh, current projects that you're working on? Are you able to share anything uh, that we can expect to see from you? Um, well, there's a project that is still in its infancy, but that I'm I'm hoping that uh, will be interesting to share. It's I'm working on an emotional map uh, from the people who live in the little village that I grown up on in um so it's basically uh talking about because it's it's one of those places that it's not really nice it's not one of those places that you would visit but at the same time i feel that every place is someone's home Uh, and so people might get attached to something that is not beautiful but is meaningful like uh like that corner where i gave the first kiss or uh that piece of road where I learned to ride a bike. And I think that those things are often overlooked. And so we are working on this project and like with interviews and these little um, maps uh, drawn with memories and uh, I'll see where it gets me. It's still in its infancy. And at the same time I'm doing, and I'm laughing because I know it's going to sound so stupid, but I'm doing a bunch, a bunch of collaborations with non-human partners. That is interesting. Yeah. So I, I have a project, uh, which is like the Brenta collection in which I photograph um, rocks that my dog brings into the studio as if it was a, like an archaeological museum collection. <laughs> that is uh, fascinating. Yeah, it's like a medium format photography, like very um, serious thing. But And he's like actually choosing the rocks. Like there's an editing there. He's a curator in some way. And then, and then I'm doing uh, mixed media. What kind of dog do you have? Um, I have two, like a Belgian, a Belgian shepherd and a Lagorai shepherd, which is like um, an Italian shepherd breed. Yeah. Um, oh, amazing. They're awesome. Uh, and then I'm doing mixed media with mushroom. So I'm growing uh, mushroom and I'm putting uh, my prints printed on cotton paper uh, in touch with the mycelium. And then basically Ooh. mushroom grows through it. And I see what is left after a while. When the. And then I. That. Yeah. Sounds amazing. It's fun. I'm doing a collaboration with a chatbot, uh, like an artificial intelligence chatbot uh, that I'm talking. So cool. Yeah. And the last one is um, I'm using Dice uh, as a collaborator. So I'm basically using um, Chance as a collaborator. That is so sweet. Well, the moment you have any of those like <laughs> reach the surface, uh, uh, come back on, and we, we definitely need to to have another <laughs> conversation. I always because... try to have like a bunch of things going because most of my projects actually miserably fail, and I'm fine with that. But that's part of the experience and, and part of the process. Um, I mean, the 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 mushroom thing, uh, you. you time you you need to be patient with yeah uh, a lot of the growth and you have there. no idea what's coming out of it exactly um so my that th- that is so awesome and, and it like th- there's just hundreds of other things i want to ask you but we're gonna have to save it for another time um, absolutely sarah your your work is amazing why don't you tell the world where they could find you on, on the web and can, can All right. so share in that joy. My website is saralando.com, so that's pretty easy. And then I'm not uh, very good with branding myself on social media, so I'm Bruco on uh, Twitter, and I'm Hole in the Fabric on Instagram. 
and uh, I'm not very active on Facebook and I write in Italian anyway. And that's basically it. Awesome. Um, it was so awesome having you on the show. It's such an honor. And, and uh, I, I'm happy that I was able to uh, have a, a little time to, to pick your brain because it, it has been uh, amazing and I had a great time. So Likewise. thank you for being on the show. Thank and, you for uh, having me. It's been amazing. And, and we'll, we will do this again uh, sometime <laughs> soon to, to talk about more of your work. And uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah. With pleasure. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show and I hope to see you back next week. I wanted to also mention one more time that this is brought to you by Fuji Love Magazine. For the latest and greatest in all things Fujifilm X-Series and GFX, head on over to fujilove.com. Subscribe today. And my name is Mark Sadowski. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter. Mostly Instagram, though. I'm at Mark Sadowski. That's Mark with a C. And you can also check out my other podcast, Xmark. It's a Fujifilm-esque kind of show, where it's more spice of life and pretty infrequent. But if you want more of my voice... That's the place to check it out. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon.